North Korea is the impossible state. It's a place that stumped leaders and policymakers for more than three decades. It has a complex history, and it has become the United States' top national security priority. Director Pong Joon-ho's Parasite has won the prize for Best Foreign Language Film at the Golden Globe Awards, one of two major film festivals in the U.S. Director Pong has conquered the infamously exclusive Hollywood threshold through the universal language of film. Each week on this show, we'll talk with the people who know the most about North Korea. In this episode of The Impossible State, we'll talk to Sumi Terry and Victor Cha about the new movie Parasite, a South Korean phenomenon that's already garnered six Oscar nominations. Sue, we're so happy you're here in Washington with Victor and me to talk about Parasite. You've written about it in the Washington Post. Tell us why this is such a landmark film and why it's so important for South Korea. Well, South Korea has been really kicking butt um, in making amazing movies for some time now since mid-1990s. But they have never been recognized like this. They've been making so many good movies. But right now, for the first time ever, they've been nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, six Oscar nominations. They have not even made a best, what do you call it, a foreign film? You know how Oscars have Best International Picture category? Right, foreign language Yeah, foreign language. Now I think they call it International Future Film. But South Korean movie has never made it uh, even for that category. So this is a huge historic moment for South Korea. And all South Koreans are obviously celebrating this. And the director of the film, um, Bong Joon-ho, is really like the Scorsese or Spielberg of South Korea, right? Yes, and he himself said, you know, he followed, obviously, learned from Scorsese, huge fan of Scorsese, and he's been making some blockbuster Korean movies like Memories of Murder, The Host, and and Snowpiercer, and I think last or two years ago, I saw Okja with my children, which was also a groundbreaking movie. So he's been, he always had fans, even internationally, but this is the first time really being recognized like this, right? He, they just won... Best Ensemble Award, SAG Award, last night, was it, two days ago? Mm -hmm. So this is a pretty big deal. How do you see this, Victor, if it's such a big deal for the Korean people? Yeah, so I think on a couple of levels. The first is that it, I mean, it shows again that this is one of these areas where South Korea punches above its weight. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, this is global recognition. Right. It first, I think, you know, it first started with music. Right. Pop music. I mean, you know, starting. I think. I guess for most of the listeners, American-based listeners, it started with um, uh, Gangnam Style. Right. Right. Um, and then it moved on to obviously BTS. Now is sort of mainstream. K-pop um, rules. K-pop rules. BTS yeah. rules, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> like if you look at look, you look at Harry Harris's Twitter feed, like he he you know. He he's talks about all these different things, but when he mentions BTS, it gets like thousands of <laughs> tens of thousands of retweets versus twenty right. retweets. But um, you know, and then you know, my actually my wife went to see them at the Meadowlands, you know, in New Jersey. They sold out the stadium. Right? I was so, there the same night oh, you that your wife night? were yeah. there with my children, yeah. and I had all these Westerners. They're not Koreans. I was surrounded by these uh, non-Koreans who were following along and singing, singing in the Korean. songs yeah. in Korean, yeah, singing in Korean. Korean. Yeah. And I, I was just floored. Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. we. My wife was in the cheap seats. Like Sue was up <laughs> right, right at the front of the stage <laughs> well, with the earplugs yeah. in and everything. Of course, stuff, right? Yeah. But, um, but you know, again, so, so you know, it started sort of with music, uh, and now we're seeing it. Now we've really sort of seen it move into films. Although it's been there before, 
it's really sort of growing. And I think this, in particular, this this movie that um, Sue has written about really is sort of a it's a major watershed mark. But it's not just it's not just in these areas. I mean. They're ripple effects. So because of all of this interest, mainstream interest in, you know, BTS, K-pop and things like this, we have seen like across university campuses increases in enrollments in Korean language classes. Like really? elementary level Korean, you know, there's there, there used to be this term, we call them heritage speakers. So basically ethnically Korean or um, Korean Americans or Korean Japanese, they would take these Korean language courses. Now, like if you look at elementary level Korean across many university campuses, the majority are actually non-heritage speakers. And the number one reason is because they want to understand the K-pop. lyrics that they're parroting. Not right? that they want to do business in South Korea. No, no, it, no. It's not, not, you know, there are many who are studying Chinese for that purpose, yeah. right? Yeah. But not for, it's because of this K-pop phenomenon. And then, you know, the the other place we've seen it historically has also been in sports, right? Sure. Korea has always punched above its weight in sports, whether it's the 88 Olympics, you know, to Kim Yuna, the skater, right, to the Pyeongchang Olympics this, you know, the, a couple of years ago. It was so, so successful. Yeah. So I think, you know, what Sue is writing about speaks to this broader phenomenon where there are certain areas where Korea punches above its weight. It's a middle power, but it punches above its weight globally um, as a middle power. Before we talk about the plot of the movie, which is really interesting and speaks to some of the issues that South Korea is dealing with right now, why are Americans embracing this culture now all of a sudden? Has it just been building? Is it because Koreans have assimilated more into the United States culture? Is it because we all know so many more Koreans in our society? Is it because the culture has finally caught up to this? Do you guys know why this is happening? So I I think so part of it I think is it's I mean you have to give credit where credit is due. I mean it's cutting edge. Yeah. It's yeah. creative. Like on the music side, you know, they broke barriers where, you know, they could make uh uh they they could basically, you know, take a style of music. I mean, there was Korean rap artists long before Gangnam Style or long before BTS, uh, but somehow they were able to sort of cross this cultural divide. Um, and then we also see it on the movie side. And I, you know, I think the genesis of this, which probably most listeners don't know, the genesis of this was actually goes back to the relationship between Korea and Japan, right? Because, you know, decades ago, Korea had one of the most tightly controlled cultural markets in the world. Like no, no foreign films could come in. Like American films, if you wanted to see like, I don't know, pick your movie, Terminator, um, you could see it about eight months after it was released in the United States in Korea. It, that's how much they protected the market, right? But then two things happened. One is Kim Dae-jung opened uh, the Korean market to Japanese cultural imports, so Japanese music. And then the second thing that happened was um, the movie Ghost, right? The movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze Demi and Moore. Demi Moore. The Korean government and the Ministry of Culture realized that the gate revenues from the movie Ghost uh, in Korea was larger in terms of revenues than the sale of Hyundai cars to the United States that year. Wow. That's when they realized this was a market they had to get into. And so I think the combination of those things, opening to Japanese cultural imports, forced them to be more creative, right? Uh, put more money towards creativity, allow sort of creative expression. Uh, and then the economic part of it, that this was this was a huge economic moneymaker for them. The, the combination of these things, I think, were the, was the genesis of what eventually led to 
you know, Gangnam Style, BTS, and then. Well, I remember, and don't forget the soap operas because South oh, right, Korean yeah. soap operas yeah. are hugely successful. Probably the most successful in all of Southeast Asia, China. I, I remember there was a New York Times piece about the Chinese government lamenting the fact that they cannot make soap operas like the South Koreans because all of the Chinese are just, you know, they're addicted. And um, this, this is why South Korean soap operas are even popular in North Korea. Um, so the North Koreans are watching this and, you know, risking their lives, literally, uh, watching this. So it's really, it speaks to the soap How are they, how the are they watching? Power. How are they well, getting it, access it, to it? it? it because it goes through uh, from the China-North Korea border. Now with the technology improvement, you, do, you, do, it's, you used to be these tapes, right? These videotapes. Um, they will watch and they get caught with this by the security services. But now, you know, you know, so it gets in. They're trying to crack down on it. North Koreans are, but they cannot completely stop this flow. Um, and it goes in from China to North Korea, and more North Koreans are exposed to this. They're watching it and literally risking their lives watching this stuff. So it speaks to South Korea's soft power, really. Okay, so so for those of us who haven't seen Parasite. Tell us what the film's about and why it it hits home with some of the real issues that's happening now in in South Korea. Well, it's truly a brutal commentary about class classes that different classes that exist in South Korea, income inequality in you know South Korea's twelfth largest economy in the world. Uh, but it really is a story about two. The plot really focuses on two families completely destitute Kim family that lives in this dingy, horrible, roach-filled basement um, without Wi-Fi. Really, there's a funny scene about, you know, they're just walking, or the family members are walking around trying to steal Wi-Fi from upstairs neighbor. It's like the ultimate indignity uh, exactly. in Korea to not have Wi-Fi. Right, absolutely. It's right. the most connected and wider society in the world. Yeah. Um, and then there is this uh, uh, other family, that I think there was a Park family, and they are uber wealthy. They lived in this beautiful home. And the Kim family um, manipulate their way into the Park family. It starts with a son as a tutor. Then he introduces his sister to go in as an art teacher, uh, and so so on. So the, eventually the entire Kim family end up working for the Park family, and the Park family doesn't know the Kim family members are related to each other. Um, and so initially you thought, oh, Parasite, they must be talking about the Kim family, right? Because they are the one who's living this roach-infested place. But eventually you realize, actually, it refers to the Park family too. Uh, and so it's really about, it's a, I think, satire. It's funny. It's shocking. It's interesting. But it's really a commentary on the, the inequality that exists, the societal inequality that exists in South Korea. Tell me more about the inequality. I mean, I know there's a stat that says the top 10% of South Koreans hold 66% of the country's wealth. Right. So it's, I mean, I don't want to sort of exaggerate because South Korea, it's not, it's not like South Africa. It's not like Brazil. And income inequality exists all over other places in sure. Asia too. And of course, in the United States as well. But it is still surprising because it's twelfth largest economy, and the Koreans themselves feel this uh, income inequality, this class divide, because a lot of job prospects in South Korea are often based on family networks and where you went to school. Right? They call it Sky for S for Seoul National University, K for Korea University, Y for Yonsei University. If you don't get into Sky and be connected to all these other people, you don't really make it in life. So, because South Koreans are very sensitive to this, and it's a sort of a running theme in other directors too in, in South Korean cinema. Um, they've been you know, making movies on regarding this theme. 
So other Korean directors uh, like Chang Dong, uh, Lee Chang Dong, who made this really famous movie called Burning, um, that almost made it to Oscar nomination last year or at 2018 actually, um, that also deals with this theme of uh, class division. So it's it's a running theme, and just recently, if you just look at South Korean domestic politics, uh, former Justice Minister Cho Guk. He was forced to step down after a huge scandal, months of protests, because that also involved massive protests over corruption charges that included an allegation that his daughter um, got into this medical school you know, by using connections and so on and lying to her way through it. And if you remember, former President Park Geun-hye, she got into all kinds of trouble because her friend who got her into trouble also, that scandal involved her daughter going to a woman's university, like unfair. Like So South Korean citizens are very, very sensitive to this. The gaps of haves and have-nots and class division. So what do the North Koreans say about this? Their neighbor to the South now has six Oscar nominations, has K-pop, has the 12th largest economy in the world, is talking about issues like haves and have-nots. What do they say about Parasite and some of the issues that it raises in uh, Korean society? Well, I actually think Kim Jong-un, being a young leader uh, who has lived um, overseas, who has skied uh, in, you know, Swiss Alps and, and swam in French Riviera and eating caviar and sushi and, and uh, liking luxury goods. And he's a young man. So I'm party sure he's, he's a party guy. I'm sure he's actually jealous that South Korea is getting all this kind of recognition. Very jealous. Uh, but of course, they had to come up with, uh, the, you know, the way they reacted to this particular movie, they said, that they claim that you know this movie is an evidence that you know capitalism is rot- completely rotten. South Korea is a sick society. Look what's going on because they are looking at like look at this Kim family that's living in the basement. At least in North Korea, we are fair. Everyone's equal. Of course, that's completely the furthest thing from the truth because as we know, North Korean society is the society that's truly divided with the top elites enjoying caviar and sushi and and all that while ordinary people literally starve. So and it's kind of ironic. Not. And haves, haves, nots. I mean, mostly have nots, right? Literally, and they're except the the, the just handful of elites. There's only a few, few haves in in North Korea. That's right. So, what's next for Parasite? Do you think? Do you think it becomes a global phenomenon that South Korea has this film industry that you know is is really resonating with the rest of the world? What do you think's next? Well, it already won all kinds of awards, um, so and no Korean film has made it this far. So I'm glad at least now there's international recognition of South Korea's film industry. I think South Koreans are going to just go on to continue to make amazing movies because this is not the first time they've been making a lot of really fantastic movies. I just think they have not been recognized before. Um, so we'll see. You know, may, if they even win an Oscar, that'll be amazing. Although Oscars never. Uh, did an Academy Award go to a foreign movie for Best Picture? They've all, they've given it to I think Best Director for Roma. I think one couple of years ago. Yeah. Obviously, they have a foreign film category, but they have never given um, Oscar for Best Picture to a foreign language based film like this. But we'll see. But I think you know at least the fact that Parasa made this far and Bong Joon Ho is recognized as the director that he is. I think this it speaks well for South Korea film industry. What does it say? that South Koreans can take pride in a movie that offers such an unflattering portrayal of their country. 
So that was the whole point of my op-ed in Washington Post that um, in the end, it's, it's ironic that the movie that got really this kind of international recognition is a movie that's actually critical of South, South Korean society and the class division that exists. But the very fact that South Koreans can take pride in, in a movie like this, that portrays them in unflattering light is a good sign that they've came a long way, uh, that they're mature enough to be able to deal with um, this, you know, they're, they're okay with self-criticism, right? Um, so I think it's a positive sign that they, it's a society that's grappling with their problems. Sue, thanks very much for being here today. Thank you for having me. If you have a question for one of our experts about the impossible state, Email us at impossiblestate at csis.org. If you want to dive deeper into the issues surrounding North Korea, check out Beyond Parallel. That's our micro website that's dedicated to bringing a better understanding of the Korean peninsula. You can find it at beyondparallel.csis.org. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's so more listeners can find us. It's very helpful. We're now also streaming on Spotify, so you can find us there too, where you find all your music. How cool is that? And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Impossible State.